Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 More preview of the Raiders and Chiefs. Another one of our former NFL player, NFL insiders, Mark McMillan, is up with us. Of course, known for his play with the Eagles, but also played with the Chiefs. All right, Mark, first time around, this game was an absolute blowout. Raiders have had trouble since, and a lot of it's due to slow starts. You played on defense. When you watched offenses get off to a quicker start, what did you see? Because the Raiders got to come out of the gates better than they have. Uh, running the ball. You know, that's that. you always want to try to establish the running game, and that's something they did when they played the Cowboys. They established the run game, and they stayed with it. Uh, they used Deshaun Jackson a lot more uh, in the passing game to try to keep those safeties up top. Uh, to open up, you know, a, a lane for the strong safety. And, you know, the running game was working really well. And you just can't go into a game and try to pass happy against the Kansas City Chiefs. You have to try to run the clock, keep those guys on the sideline as much as possible, and you got to stay consistent with the running game. And after what we saw, what New England did to Buffalo, if you stay consistent with the running game, keeping the quarterback on the sideline and run the clock and just wait to the fourth quarter – and have a chance to win the game in the fourth. Yeah, I'm also wondering the mentality of uh, Greg Olson, the OC, and Rich Basaccia, if they're kind of still stuck in the uh, the old Gruden mode of being a little more conservative. Because I look at those guys, and it's like, fellas, if you don't make the playoffs, they're going to reorganize this organization. So, I don't know. Is, is that is that a simpleton notion, too, that on the sidelines, like, you guys are coaching for your jobs? Yeah, you would think that they'll be like, you know what? Uh, John's not here anymore, so we don't really have to be conservative uh, and, and run under his game plan, this is a new regime, and you're playing for your job just as much as these players are playing for their jobs as well. And if I'm a coach, I'm going for broke. You know, I'm trying to get us up and down the field. I'm, you know, the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know, Crosby is getting double teamed a lot, so he's kind of slowing down uh, with the pass rush. So, you know, they got to make some changes. You know, they got to go for it. They're still in the hunt. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're right there in the hunt. So it'll be a tragic for these guys to kind of just go through the motions. And they can beat the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not like they have a really bad football team that has no shot. They have a shot to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's a division game that they need to win. Yep. And they control their own destiny. Every team they play the rest of the way is also in the playoff race. So the more they win, the more they debilitate other teams' chances to make the playoffs. Uh, so this offseason, we could be seeing a changing of the guard. The organization has to make a decision long-term on Derek Carr. Well, a lot of organizations have to make that decision. I, we saw two last night, right? I think the Steelers yeah. I think the Steelers have botched massively by not having the next guy in place, by not right. using this year to have a bridge quarterback instead of Big Ben. Uh, they didn't play well last night. You know, they came back, but so what? Um <laughs> I just I wonder I I just I wonder what the Steelers are going to do at quarterback long term if they can't hit a home run and get you know Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers to be the guy there for three or four years right. Mike Mike Tomlin man this is going to be a really tough job moving forward yeah it, the performance that they put I'm not a big fan of Thursday night football first of all because you know it's a physical game and you know Ben is Ben is like you know he's one one in and you know one foot in the in the group home and you know one foot <laughs> right. on you know on the boat you know to, to Q-board somewhere. But you know he's old man, and you know you gotta you ask these guys to come on you know, no days rest pretty much. And you know it, it's kind of seeing you know Tomlin has he run his course. You know I, I know Steeler Nation is really behind him, but at some point, like you said, if you don't hit a home run in free agency with a quarterback. And what they badly need, this organization is going to be looking for a quarterback for a long time. 
And, you know, that division right now, you look at the quarterbacks in that division, Joe Burrow is going to be the guy that's going to continue to get better, and the Bengals are going to continue to get better, and the Steelers is going to be a doormat if they don't hit a home run, like you said, in free agency with a quarterback. And last night was everything that we've seen all year long from the Vikings encapsulated in one 60-minute game. They look oh, unbelievable. Sure. Then they <laughs> they blow the lead. They hang on. But the inconsistency of the Vikings, I, I'm man, I think it's a weird position for the Vikings to be in because, again, if they get rid of Kirk Cousins, then they're back to square one. If they get rid of right. Mike Zimmer, I'm not exactly sure it's justified. I think he's a good coach, but a lot of people are very down on Mike Zimmer. Yeah, it's a tough position for those guys. Like I said, the first half, they came out lights out. Uh, defense is re- playing really well. Uh, Kirk Cousins was hitting receivers. And then the second half, it was like, man, I think he had maybe one or two completions uh, up until the fourth quarter. So it was it was two different game plans uh, that that was that should not happen. You know, they, like I said, the Steelers even had a chance to win the game as terrible as they played. You know, they still had an opportunity to win the game. And, you know, it was it was a self, selfish play. Uh, I can't remember the young man's name. He's out of Notre Dame, you know, trying to celebrate while you're the, top, the, click, the clock is clicking. And he's sitting here celebrating, yep. wasting valuable time. Yep. Chase Claypool, and he's been great. And Tomlin yeah. has a good record of, uh, you know, managing things. I mean, believe me, he had two of the craziest dudes ever in AB and Le'Veon Bell and actually <laughs> made it work. And you see what happened to both of them since they – they left the Steelers. Mark McGowan's with us, our football insider. Uh, Mark, what's going on for the holidays? Well, you're still down in uh, in Arizona. I know you got the uh, the spice and the sauces up and running, so fire away. Yeah, everything is going great, man. I was just in Philadelphia. got a chance to speak to the uh, Urban Youth uh, Racing School, a buddy of mine, Anthony Martin, who's doing a great job with those youth. We uh, got a chance to meet Kyle Larson, uh, you know, the NASCAR champion. So got a chance to meet him as well i'll be going back to philadelphia again next week i'm gonna be santa claus man i'm dressing yeah. like a santa claus yeah so i'm gonna be passing out toys uh you know to the kids we got like a u-haul truck full of cho- toys that we were raised that we raised through my uh event that i had last week uh for our lift program so we're gonna be you know the news stations are all involved so it started off small but it's kind of snowballing into a big thing and you know, I, I never thought I was going to be Santa. You know, you know, it's a, so Santa's going to be black this year. In Philadelphia. <laughs> that, <laughs> a matter of fact, Santa's going to be black. Okay, all right. Um, I got to mention one last thing. So the the Eagles overcame the absence of Jalen Hurts. Uh, Gardner Minshew goes in there. Minshew mania. You know, we see a video afterwards. Uh, Gardner Minshew with his dad, and he's he's you know he's hugging him. He's slapping five. Um, oh my god! I just. I just want you to speak to when when people think that NFL players aren't passionate about what they're doing, they are, and we got to see it. You know, with Minshew celebrating after the game, like players really, most players really do care, especially the physicality of the game. You're busting your ass, like it's fun to win, and and, and it sucks to lose. Right, and and people really think like, okay, when we lose, like everything's going to be okay. They say these guys make millions of dollars. But it's 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 terrible, man. The whole week is just really bad uh, when you went when you lose a game. And you know there was there was mixed emotions about you know people like, hey, he's celebrating too much. You know, act like he's been there. You know, this is a journeyman. He was the same way that he was at Washington State. You know, it, it, he's excited about the game. Uh, he's passionate about the game. I know you know NFL is trying to take away all that passion uh, because if he does that during the game, he's going to get a flag for unsportsmanlike conduct. So just imagine, you know, a guy getting this opportunity to play on the road uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, filling in for Jalen, and he goes out and wins a, good, a, a football game, and he plays really well. 
And, you know, for, for a player to just sit there and, and hold the clipboard and get your opportunity to play in front of your dad, in front of your family, and, and win a game on the road, you know, that's, that's major. For any athlete to win a game, man, there's no better feeling than when you win a game, and there's no worse feeling when you lose a game. Well, and I think you uh, you sort of hit on a point that is really important. I don't know how they make the change, but the passion on the field, it's overregulated. The taunting stuff is stupid. And I know there are a bunch of coaches who voted for this. Well, guess what? Led by whoever, John Harbaugh, you guys are wrong. You're wrong. And there needs to be a lot of players stepping up in this offseason to speak on this, Mark. Because I think it's going to be – I think the taunting thing is going to be a disaster in the playoffs. If these guys start pulling, crazy. if these guys start pulling game-altering flags on taunting, right. fans are going to be pissed off, and players should be even more angry. Yeah, it's probably going to cost the team uh, some valuable yards, fifteen yards. And the game is played with passion. And if you played any sport, I don't care if it's freaking badminton or or, or, or freaking what's the new bocce? That's the new game right now, bocce ball. You know, it, it's a game played with passion, and football is on emotions. And you can't ask a guy to make a good play and just sit there and go go back to the huddle and not be excited about his performance or his teammates not be excited uh, for him to make a, a a play. And you know it's it's still a game that we all wanted to grow up and be professional athletes. And if you take that out of the game and you try to regulate it, it, it they're doing a really big disservice to the fans and they're doing a disservice to the uh, to the to the brand. But the NFL don't give a crap. You know, they're still going to make their money. They signed their TV deals, and, you know, you can only regulate so much. And, I, hell, if I would have been playing, I'd probably been flying up there every play because I got excited because I was excited to play the game. Yep. Have a good time. Uh, when are you getting back to Vegas? I will be back in Vegas next week. Good. And then, you know, Santa's got to hop on the uh, old sleigh to Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be out there, man, enjoying a, a great opportunity to be able to give back to these kids. Uh, the inner city kids because of the violence in Philadelphia, man, is crazy right now. So I'm just trying to do my part uh, to a city that's that's continued to show me love and looking forward to being back in the Vegas, man. We got to get in the studio, man. I'm seeing you posting up at these clubs, eating this pizza. I'm like, <laughs> I need to be with Steve Coffield right now. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. All right, Mark. Appreciate it. See ya. All right. Appreciate it, buddy. Mark McMillan here on Cofield and Company, an incredibly giving guy. You know who else are giving guys? The fellas from the press box. It's time. To qualify you for an unbelievable prize, call in now, 364-1100, to win the Press Box Holiday Hookup on Ice. Caller 11, 364-1100, you win four tickets to Disney on Ice, Dream Big. Thomas and Mac is where the show is at, January 6th to January 9th. If you don't win here, you can get your own tickets at DisneyOnIce.com. And when you win this prize, you qualify to win an even bigger one. Someone is going to get a new 55-inch 4K smart TV. Winner will be announced on December 21st. Three six four eleven hundred. Caller eleven. It's the press box holiday hookup on ice. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Don't let another game day go by without having one of Nevada's best betting apps in the palm of your hand. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Twenty-one years of age or older to wager. Nevada only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 4700 majority of the things that we don't execute well, we'd like to think that they're fixable. I'd like to think that everything is dissected, either when you win and when you lose, and you'd like to think you can find either a solution to the play or a solution to the to the coach, you know, as you go through the tape. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. studio. Damn, Versace, you're trying to be upbeat. Things can be fixed. Here comes Ari. 
just kind of fit the theme of the season. Right? A reminder of last Christmas when you're like, what happened to the Raiders season? The grind, man. <laughs> what happened? It's been a grind. Five and two. Last year, seven and five. The year before, six and four. And we keep saying the same thing over and over again. All right, football frenzy time. <laughs> I think it's the dumbest thing ever. Kenny Pickett was masterful in clowning what is a stupid rule, the sliding rule with quarterbacks in the NCAA and the NFL. He faked a slide and then ran another 40 yards. Now the NCAA is trying to ban the slide. How the hell will they regulate that? Oh, it's it, it's easy. I, I actually don't think they're changing a rule. They're just clarifying and enforcing a rule. The rule is when you start the slide. When you start the slide, the play's over. I Trust me, you will see a play where a guy's knee buckles for a second, and they'll be like, that was a slide. It's going to happen. Well, I, I think Gus Bradley, Gus Bradley, I think, had a better solution. I don't know how many people were listening to when Gus Bradley talked about this yesterday because we asked him directly. Oh, yeah. Um, we said, hey, quarterbacks, are gonna, if they're going to fake slide, what should be done? He said, okay, fake slide one time. Rules are off. Yep. Open season. You tackle For him. the rest of the game. No, for the rest of the game. Oh, okay. Hit him when he slides. Yep. Hit him when he's going out of bounds. Hit him after he throws. The rules are off. Your protection's off. Yep. You don't want it anymore at that point. And he was half joking, but I think that was fair. I mean, in a way, Pickett was taking advantage of a loophole because there's nothing stopping you before this from fake sliding. But you've also pointed out the loophole exists on the sidelines. Yeah. I see players do it all the time, and, and they should do it more. Where Quarterbacks fake one, you know, fake with the right or the left that they're going out of bounds. You're like a hard step and then jump right back and bounce. Yeah, and steal three or four yards even. I mean, you can maybe even more, but you could steal three or four yards almost every time because when quarterbacks are going toward the sideline – they essentially have their protection like five yards away from the line, from the from the end, from the end, excuse me, from the out of bounds line. Like you can't hit them anywhere close. You saw it in the Monday night game. Josh Allen was still in bounds. He got hit. They called fifteen yard penalty. And Belichick, you saw Belichick on the sideline. He's still in bounds. Yeah, he was still. He's still. He's trying. And, and by the way, he's trying to get a first down. Yeah, yeah. So he was trying to tiptoe the sidelines and make sure that he got just a couple extra inches yards to get the first down. You you're finishing the play. Yeah. roughing. Come on. And essentially the rule is like you can't hit a quarterback anywhere ever. Um, so quarterbacks, I've seen it a couple of times. I, you would expect to see it more where you're getting close to, a lot, to the sideline. And instead of taking that last step out of bounds, you steal like three or four yards. St- steal three or four yards right on the sideline before you, before you take that step. And that's what you open up when you have all these rules the way that they are. So something has to be done about it. Obvious, obviously, you should be down when you fake the slide. That's obvious. And then they're going to do that. But I, I think the other way could work too. Of hey, you get you get it once in the game, and now all the rules are off. They they come out of the middle of the field and they like you know make the announcement. You know like this guy's reported as eligible. The referee comes out. He goes you know blows the whistle, waves his hand. He goes that was a fake slide. Quarterback is now live for the rest of the game. <laughs> for the rest of the game. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. You want to mess around? What is it? What is it? What is it? You want to you want to play with the bull? You get the horns. Rodeo wow. week. It's rodeo week. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you were doing more of a, an Italian reference. Well, I, I did a rodeo reference. Which, I was thinking of some baseball reference, but that's not allowed. So I, you went I full Brent there yeah. without saying Goomba. Sure. Real quick on this one, because uh, we're going to talk to Justin Watkins in just a couple minutes. Find out what's going on in the National Football League with that uh, fake vax status with Antonio Brown. 
Nicole Orbach, college football expert. In the past week, Dabo Sweeney has lost his athletic director, which, by the way, for Clemson fans tweeting last Friday that Miami, <laughs> no way, our AD is going to leave for Miami. He left. He's gone. The AD, the DC, Brent Venables to Oklahoma, offensive coordinator Tony Elliott finally, uh, Tony Elliott finally gets his chance. He's going to Virginia. So in the past week, Dabo Sweeney has lost AD, DC, D, uh, OC, if I can say it. Um, maybe last week's visit has him thinking a little bit more. And Las Vegas Raiders. Well, he's he's gone from Clemson. So Wait, the question what? is: is he is he going to another college? He's not going to a college job. Is he going to the NFL? Or is he retiring? It's the no, only what's choices. happening here? What's going with? Oh, that's right. Because because the players are getting NIL. He said he had once NIL went oh, in, he was done. Isn't this Mel Kiper with his draft bet that he, Jimmy Clausen would be whatever kind of quarterback he would retire, and he's still around twenty years later? Sure, he's Dabo's but not. Dabo, Dabo said Dabo's not, Dabo's not quitting. Dabo said once the NIL deal passes, he was done at Clemson. So clearly, he's done. And I, I would assume that means all college jobs. So is he coaching high school? Is he coaching the pros? Can it, Canada? Canadian football? Is he going yes, to? I'm sure he's going to go uh, to the CFL. He's going somewhere. He's not going to be a college coach anymore. This is all indication. Now, I have I have started to just throw it out there. Dabo and Deshaun? Right. Pairing up. Package deal? Somewhere. Somewhere. Doesn't have to be here. Could be anywhere. Right. Could be Dabo, Denver. Could be Denver. Sure. Dabo was wearing a Raiders shirt last week. Dabo, Denver, Deshaun. Sounds good, right? They need a quarterback. It doesn't sound a... good for Raiders fans. No, it doesn't. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts only on Cofield and Company. Cofield and Company back here on a Friday. Special appearance by Justin Watkins. Busy guy, busy guy. Uh, by the way, what do you have going on for the holidays in terms of uh, you know personal, professional? What's coming up? Yeah, no, we're. Uh... As far as family stuff, we're staying in town. For uh, we did Thanksgiving and Christmas staying in town, which is the first time we've done that in a very long time. Um, you know, I love this time of year from a professional standpoint. We always like to do a couple different things. Uh, actually, today is our volunteer day, so our office is closed, and we're volunteering for Project One Hundred and Fifty um, down uh, this afternoon uh, over at their campus in Rancho. And uh, tomorrow we run our annual 5K, the Rock and Reindeer Run. Invite everybody to come out to do that. Uh, so that's on the horizon. And then next weekend I'll be uh, watching my Oregon State Beavers in the uh, Jimmy Kimmel Bowl at SoFi Stadium. There you go. Sadly, I bet against your team. I hate to tell you that, but uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's okay. I-, I will say I can't figure out Utah State because uh, I didn't think they were that good when I saw them against UNLV. Then they went on to have a 10-3 and season. They just blew out. San Diego State, so uh, but I think both sides will be hungry, so I don't think there's going to be a motivation issue in the game. But it should be fun. You're going to get a chance to see SoFi, right? Yeah, I haven't been yet, and it's I, I really wanted to. I thought the first time I'd see it would be a Chargers game, but um, this is this is a good good excuse, and and it won't be probably won't be super crowded, no. uh, so be able to get around the stadium pretty easily. Absolutely. Uh, this one not in the holiday spirit, but uh, maybe we're getting some clarity 
on Deshaun Watson, but it does come from Tony Busby. So Busby talked to a legal insider and said uh, that he thinks or he knows that prosecutors have reached out to some of the alleged victims and they could present the case. They could finally present the case to the grand jury in January. I wonder if this is really the case. Do you believe it? And what does that mean? Yeah, I, I kind of think it, it would make sense um, that they would do a grand jury. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of times in these high-profile cases, if you choose not to prosecute, you want the backing of a grand jury to say, yeah, we, we don't think you should prosecute either. Um, you know, that they don't have to do a grand jury. Um, they can always elect to do a grand jury. And it's just an opportunity for the prosecutors to see whether or not the public is uh, believes that the actions that are being alleged uh, uh, arise to the level of a crime. And it's, it's in essence, a focus group to figure out whether or not they, they think that they have a case worth moving forward with. Uh, now, that being said, they have complete control over the process. And so you can somewhat you know, manufacture the results that you want. So if they don't want to you know, prosecute Watson, which it seems they do not, um, they can you know, kind of CYA with a grand jury that says do not prosecute. Uh, and then they close the books and move on. Another case out of the NFL um, and I know you talked about the possibility of uh, lawsuits for lost revenues because of COVID and COVID shutdowns. The the Bills tried something, and a New York State judge said uh, no dice. Yeah, they tried to collect on an insurance policy for stadium losses. Uh, under the argument, I'm I'm sure that um, the shutdowns didn't allow them to utilize the stadium in the manner in which it was to be utilized. Um, I don't know that this order from this judge is precedent setting in any sort of way, um, just because most insurance policies are not going to be akin to whatever the bills had on their stadium. And uh, so every, every policy that's probably out there that most people have, most small business owners um, have is going to be much uh, different in language than that. Um, but I will say uh, it is in line with at least the local rules that I've seen here, which has said that the lockdown order will, did not account for uh, coverage under uh, a physical damage exemption, saying it didn't physically damage the property. Um, it didn't. You weren't physically precluded from opening your doors or uh, allowing ingress and egress, and therefore there's no coverage. That's kind of been how it's been. Justin Watkins, 5709000, Battleborn Injury Lawyers, joining us here on a Friday. Some legal stories to uh, hit on on Cofield and company. Well, you know, I love to see these uh, these deals here with the uh, college admission scam. They called it Operation Varsity Blues. We had a bunch of parents out there uh, paying to get their kids in. And, uh, you know, like as you've mentioned in the past, they could have simply just bought buildings on campus and done it on the up and up, you know, quote unquote, the up and up. But they decided to kind of go around the system and then claim their kids were athletes. So uh, a local here, Elizabeth Kimmel, who, by the way, uh, the photo by AP, this is like a mob trial. She's uh, she's going, she's getting wheeled into federal court. She's got a jacket on, the mask, the glasses, um, you know, kind of hiding the identity. But anyway, she was uh, trying to get her kids into, what was it, Georgetown? And then uh, the other one was uh, USC. Um, one, one claiming that uh, one child was a pole vault recruit. Georgetown kid was a tennis recruit. So over $500,000. She got two years of probation, first to be spent in home confinement. What? $250,000 fine. This is kind of in line with what's gone on before this, right? This is what, 29 parents now they've sentenced? 
Yep, yep. I don't I don't think this one's an outlier. This is kind of right there with everything else. Um, you know, I'm just amazed at like <laughs> you, you, every time we hear this story, the like the stupidity of it all. Like yeah. I'm going to pay a half million dollars to get, to get you in as an athlete on a scholarship to a school that you're probably not smart enough to be at right <laughs> you're right you're not gonna right. Do, do great like you're doing the kid a disservice but i, I, I mean uh, sadly uh maybe this is a, a true picture into the reality of a lot of really good schools that they have there is a percentage of students there who are basically just bought into the school and academically really couldn't cut the work but i guess they're passed through somehow well see that that part's not what surprises me though right what surprises me is like uh, the next generation of highly successful people, right? These are these are successful people who are having kids, and it seems like the decisions they are making are setting their kids up for the opposite of success, yep. right? It's like yep. they're setting themselves up for failure, and I just don't understand from the parenting angle what in the hell's going on in these people's minds that makes them think that this was a good idea and what lessons it's teaching to their kids. So, I mean, I'm you know the 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 penalty is in line with what we've seen, you know the the. the process of how the this parent was trying to get their kids in is in line payment wise and everything else with what we've seen but it's just again uh you know that kind of the raise the eyebrow of like wow you know you may be a successful person in the world of business or entertainment but man you you may be not the best parent of course i mean well how many people do you come around come across in your lifetime where you're like hey the person went to a prestigious school man they have no work ethic it seems like they've been passed along here and it's like, oh, they're 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 the they're the bad person. No, it was the parents. The yeah. parents tried to give them a free pass all along. They get out of the real world, and you're like, what the hell? This person doesn't know how to work. Yep. Kids these yep, days, you're right. you know. That, but that's it's one of the things we ran about all the time. You know, when we're like kids these days. No, it was it's actually parents because they set them up for uh, you know. Uh, I wouldn't say failure, but. Um, set them up to be embarrassed when they start to move along in life. All right, you know what? I skipped ahead on an NFL story I wanted to get to because a lot of people are mad about this one. Again, you know, trying trying to skirt the rules. So Antonio Brown, as they said, we don't officially know if there were fake vax cards. I haven't seen that yet, but, you know, uh, misinformed on his vaccination status. He gets three games. If, if this weren't Florida, I wonder if – because I don't think California ever did anything about Evander Kane. Like, I don't think California followed up on it. We've talked about this before with athletes and the fake vac stuff. Should states be following up on this? Should local municipalities be following up on stuff like this? Again, for the rest of it, it's like, wait, we're following rules, but we've got a guy like Antonio Brown. We'll probably still get to play football at some point this year. Well, it's federal jurisdiction, right? So the, the crime that would be violated here is the altering, doctoring, or fraudulent government um, uh, document. And this is a federal government document, not a state government okay. document. All right. So it, it, it's going to be on the federal government to do it. Now, could the states do it? Yes, if they were the ones who were presented with the card. So that's where uh, it would be a little bit tricky. So if part of what Antonio Brown had to do to clear with the NFL and the Bucks was, I don't know, go down to Tampa Municipal Court and show them the the vax card because Tampa municipal court had some involvement in clearing people to play. I, you know, that's all far fetched, but what I'm, what I'm getting at is it's some local government entity that had to receive the card. Then the States could get involved. But right now, I mean, just number one, 
I think it's really funny how the NFL was very particular about their wording here to ensure that they didn't say that there was a, a fake or doctored uh, Vax card. So again, they're going out of their way to protect this dude mm-hmm. who, you know, by all accounts, can't keep it together. Right. He, he just can't help, it, help himself from breaking laws, hurting people, and self, you know, continuing these selfish actions, and they just enable it. They, they, they put these words out there just to ensure that the federal government doesn't come after him and prosecute him as, you know, I frankly think that they should if he's parading around a fake fax card. Also hilarious, Bruce Arians came out and said about a week ago, yeah, the NFL should look into all the other teams to see about, you know, vaccination status. The NFL the NFL is not lifting a freaking finger to unearth any of this. They do not or it does not want to be further embarrassed and have to deal with this stuff. Yep. No, I, I agree with that too. They should look at, you know, it shouldn't be unique to Antonio Brown. And, well, and it wasn't actually, it, no, wasn't. it wasn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, they should, they should look in and verify all these cards that they're seeing, but I guarantee they're not, uh, they don't, they don't want to, you know, it's kind of like this situation. So last night we had our company party and we took everybody to NFR, right? And there's this dude, you know, when you walk in, it has a single, you know, mask required sign. And there's a guy who's got the sign that says, you know, please mask up. And that dude's not wearing a mask because he's like, I'm not the enforcer. And there's a whole bunch of cowboys and not a single mask, right? Like, right. hey, man, my job's to hold this sign. <laughs> like, I it. am not here to enforce anything. You read the sign or you don't read the sign. I don't care. And that's how I feel the NFL is about all of this. They're so like, hey, we've got to tell you that you need to get vaccinated or if you don't here are the rules you know what if you break the rules or you don't break the rules you know we're not going to be the enforcement agent unless somebody brings the evidence to us you know it's it's just it's it's a little bit of a joke but at this point i think there's so much covid uh fatigue that I don't think too many people in the public are going to be worked up about the NFL not investigating this stuff. He's our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider, Justin Watkins, Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000 is the number. Uh, let's close on this one. Very goofy case. We've talked about uh, dog bite cases in the past. I'm not sure that this one has much to do with it, but we had a very sensationalized story come out a couple months ago about a Texas assistant coach, his stripper girlfriend and now i cannot remember her name it was like the pole warrior or something uh they had a pet monkey the monkey apparently at a halloween party bit a child now the couple uh they're you know the uh, the mom and dad of the child are now suing the coach and the stripper these animal bite cases are uh, always very fascinating oh these ones from a legal perspective on civil liability are really easy so when you have an exotic pet so, you know, wild animals that are traditionally not pets, not dogs, not right. cats, not like horses. Tiger King. Like a monkey. Yeah. Or Carol you know, a lizard or a snake or something like that. Then you are strictly liable for any damages they cause. Ooh. Meaning it doesn't matter if you say this was the best monkey in the world and I never thought he was ever going to bite anybody. Didn't have any knowledge that he was angry or there, there's no reason for me to suspect it was totally out of character. Does not matter in the eyes of the law. When you take on the risk of an exotic pet. You take on the responsibility for any damage it causes for any reason. So they're in trouble. They better settle. Why? <laughs> Otherwise, they're going to be in big trouble. That's right.
Very nice. Very nice. The assumption of the risk. I don't know if you saw it. I should I should have sent it over to you uh, before our conversation, but uh, I saw a good video put up by uh, Dan Lusk, who's a really good uh, legal insider, and it was, a I think, on a New Jersey road, and some jabroni has, like, the biggest Christmas tree ever tied to the top of the car, and he just put assumption of risk. Like, if that Christmas tree goes flying backwards, I mean, that, that driver's in big trouble, right? Yeah, for sure, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even if he did everything right, even if it was a small tree, yeah, right. If you're going to strap it onto the top and you're the one who straps it down, uh, yeah, you're going to be responsible if that tree flies off. Now you say, well, if I have the guys at the place strap it down, number one, if they're smart, they're not going to do it. But number two, okay, good luck going back to this random Christmas tree, you know, shop that sets up for you know, three weeks out of the year right. and finding some some buddy to hold liable for the damage that was caused so yeah you you strap that sucker to the top of your car and it flies off and it hits somebody or hits a car and causes an accident you're absolutely going to be responsible all right well have a good weekend uh glad you're doing good things for the community and we'll talk to you next week all right thanks guys justin Watkins, espn las vegas legal insider we are going to be on opposite sides in that jimmy kimmel bowl i'm on utah state he's going to be on his beavers coming up ion sports betting coach of the year in college football jim harbaugh We'll check the odds on what that would have paid if you'd bet it in the preseason. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. All right, let's hit some numbers. I actually want to hit some UFC here in just a couple of seconds. Man, we got some we got some good stuff coming up. Real good stuff. We got uh, long-time radio against new radio guy. <laughs> long-time radio against new radio guy. Uh, long-time guy showing a lot of jealousy. And they're both former NFL players. Not a good look. Not a good look, my friend. Uh, were you surprised that Jim Harbaugh was the winner of Coach of the Year in college football? A little bit. I mean, listen, he, he had a great season. There's no question about it. And uh, going undefeated, making it to the playoff. Uh, you know, stop me. It's good. Uh, but I, I think when you're a coach like, like Fickle at Cincinnati, when you take a you know group of five school to, a, to the playoff, it's usually going to get you the award. I mean, I think this is a brand name. This is a brand name victory, I think. For Michigan. And it's a hardball, you know, overcoming the fact that, you know, people are calling for his job at the beginning of the year and he's never going to win the big game, that sort of thing. Uh, it seems like, you know, vindication for a lot of people that stood behind Harbaugh and, and, and a lot of people that, you know, have, you know, know his name very well. Uh, I think I could make an argument that he didn't deserve it this year. Interesting on this. Because, you know, I was just mentioning after talking to Justin Watkins about the preseason odds, Harbaugh had to be pretty far down. You know who yeah. raced to the top of the list in the middle of the season? Who still had a hell of a year. It was actually Mel Tucker got down to 2-1. to one. Wow. This is not a market that's heavily bad or heavily published, I'll tell you that. Well, after, I mean, after, you know, they were awarded a victory against Michigan, I'm sure, you know, they were in a, in a spot to potentially – you know, make the playoff a team that came from out completely out of nowhere. It would make some sense. 
Let's hit the UFC. So we got UFC coming up. You want to sell this card? Dustin Poirier on the card. That alone. Worth watching. Great story. Yeah, I mean... I, working, working man's fighter. It's funny because I was... I, that's actually how I was writing my advance for this. And then, you know, Data White kind of gave the the perfect quote yesterday to kind of fit the story of, you know, this is, this is the ultimate blue-collar fight, which it is. I mean... Oliveira is the champion. He won the title in May. This is his first title defense. He was in the UFC for more than a decade before he got his first title shot, uh, worked his way up. In fact, before his current winning streak, he had lost four of six. And then he went on this run, wins the title. Um, so a grinder. And Dustin Poirier, kind of the ultimate, you know, journeyman, not really fair, I guess, but, um, you know, 22 fights in the UFC before his first title shot. And... You know, a guy who had his ups and downs, he kept winning like three fights in a row to get in contention and then losing and then win four in a row and then lose. Um, and he kind of put it all together recently. Uh, obviously, both vi- ultra talented fighters uh, can, you know, finish fights almost anywhere. Uh, I love that aspect of this fight. I, I like, you know, Dustin Poirier said his favorite champions of all time are guys like Michael Bisping, um, you know, Robbie Lawler. He even mentioned Charles Oliveira, who he's fighting. His favorite champions are guys that have, you know, not didn't just burst on the scene and win a title. Guys that grind and work for a long time. So I like that aspect of the fight, but I think it's also a really high level fight. So that's entertaining. Um, somebody actually got Amanda Nunez angry and talking trash, which is we haven't really seen in a while. Um, I don't think there's much competition there. Uh, Juliana Pena can can bring to Nunez, but the style at least at least the style adds a little bit of intrigue. Juliana Pena, a very good wrestler, uh, could get on top and cause some problems and i think she's gotten into amanda nunez head a little bit so that adds a little intrigue to, to the fight even though it's you know amanda nunez steamrolls everyone and then there's just a bunch of big names on the on the card you know sean o'malley who people love dominic cruz is on the card former champion uh, cody garbrandt another former champion debuting at 125 so uh, there's some names at least on the card. Cruz is a good comeback story now whether you want to root for him or not is a whole different deal <laughs> What was going on at the press conference the other day? Cruz spends most of his time now analyzing fights, right? Yeah. So he's on the call of some of the fights. He's not as high profile as Daniel Cormier. I guess they've worked together in the past. This was Cruz talking about Cormier and his work on TV. When it comes to DC, you know, I I usually mute it. <laughs> I I like I love DC. He's my friend, but to me, from my experience, he doesn't do the homework. He he wants to get in and out, get the job done, make his money. And I think he cares about us, but it's just different. He doesn't do the preparation from my experience. He might now. I'm hoping he watches some film this time on me so that he knows what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold my breath on that, that's for sure. Okay, you realize within a within the broadcast world, that's your coworker you're talking about. Do you see anyone in the NFL doing that? Or, like, I like the honesty, but that seemed weird to me. But it's not weird because that's Dominic Cruz's personality. It is. Uh, He is a know-it-all. He's very defensive if anyone comes at him. So, I don't know. I don't want to overreact to that because I think, in a way, maybe it's a work. I don't know what the work would be for. No, no. but that that's like I said, it's typical Dominic Cruz. I didn't he's, he's a know it all. And I'll I mean my opinion on Dominic Cruz is he may do his homework, but I think he's kind of boring. And there is a reason why Daniel Cormier has a lot of the big gigs at ESPN, because he appeals to the masses and Dominic doesn't. And maybe someone should talk to Dominic that all that prep is great, 
But in the end, you know, this is what I like in this too, is the same crowd will be like, you know, some hardcore football analytics person, you know, should be getting a lot more money and a lot more attention than Stephen A. Smith. Well, that ain't the real world, brother. <laughs> Appealing to the masses is the real world. So it's not a work. Yeah. Uh, also, I hated that clip because I heard myself laughing and I despise that. This is weird. Um, <laughs> that's always uncomfortable. Because well, it was such a it's such a goofy thing to <laughs> say about your coworker. I know. Uh, it's it's a long running thing. I know this from being around them a little bit around oh, yeah. broadcast. Uh, Dominic Cruz goes after him all the time. First of all, he's because he heard Cormier analyzed his own fight. He heard Cormier doing a Cruz fight, and he didn't like what he was saying. Of course, and that's in what, terms that's of what, what he's doing. That's what it comes down. To. But also, you know, they've worked together, and Dominic Cruz is one of these guys that will sit there. I, I think I've talked about this on the show before. He's insane with this prep, which is fine. Awesome. It's good. He not only watches film constantly uh, on the fighters he's going to call, but he goes to media day where, with us as, as a reporter and goes, like, follows us around, listens to our interviews with fighters. Then he goes and talks to the fighters himself. He has a notebook. He has notes on every single fighter. He's insane with his preparation. And he always chides Cormier for not doing prep. Like, Cormier shows up at the fight, yeah. watches the fight, I think that's kind of his role. Cormier actually went live on Instagram last night uh, and talked about this and called Cormier, called Cruz in, and he's like, let's go, man. Like, wh what do you got? To, what do you have to say? Let, let, let's do this. And they kind of went back and forth, and Cruz was like, I don't – first of all, he blamed the media. Garbage. What, Garbage. what he said? Because he goes, he goes I, said, I said I love you like a brother. Why, didn't, why wasn't that the headline? <laughs> like – the headline is that's not going to be the headline. Of course it's not. Yeah, but by the Corby way, that's, told enough, him that that's too, another thing I thought of is that there are so many guys, the fighters especially, but the fighters who turn into media people who think they are trained in the media. You don't know our job. Right. Well, and believe me, when I covered UFC, I did that all the time and fighters got mad. My job is to get good stories out there. And when you say something inflammatory, it's going to get out there. You can't be like, oh, that's not exactly what I said. You said it. Yeah. And Stop lecturing us on how to do our job. Cormier told him that, by the way. He goes, Good. you said I didn't watch Phil. What did you think the headline was going right. to be? Like, what are you talking don't about? Add, then, then you're either naive or now you're being disingenuous. Yeah. And uh, and Cruz came back and he goes, I think it's I think it's totally fair to be critical of each other. Like, I'm sure you don't think I'm great. And C Cormier said, you're the most prepared guy I've ever been around. You do your homework all the time. You're dull as hell. He did. So he just yeah, said, he I, did. I didn't see any of this, folks. I promise. He did. He did. So what did Cruz say to that? Cruz was like, that, that's fair. I've heard that before. He was clearly annoyed by it, but he's like, I've heard of that course before. He was. I've heard oh, that. Yeah, 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 of course. I've heard that. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know why it's not the Cruz and Ryan Clark show? Because he's dope. Yeah. But he is. Daniel Cormier is doing a crossover show with Ryan Clark, the former football player, because Daniel Cormier is entertaining. Sure. But and I he, also. And, and he likes all sports and he can speak to a much broader audience. But I think that it's important. Like, I like when, they, I like when it's Anik, Cormier, and Cruz. Like I like that breakdown because Cruz is so schooled and so re so researched. Cormier is just there, kind of goofing around, but also has knowledge. Obviously, he's an Olympian who was a champion in two divisions. He's got plenty of knowledge to just show up and talk, especially when you've got Cruz and Anik doing all the research. Like that works well together. Uh, but it was kind of weird to do that. And I'll also point out, and I don't know if you saw this either. Uh, Dana White was asked about this, and he said, "What's my thought? I think Cormier should do some homework." <laughs> the crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.